0: This is pete moore on halo talks nyc i want to welcome a friend of mine i've known since pretty much 1999 all right mike morris who uh has become an expert in the fields of technology strategy and and scaling businesses and we met on a uh a couple of buy-side diligence projects where I'm like, "You you Mike Mike Morris did you again? Hey, are you showing up again in these deals? So, um, Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Pete. Good to see you again. So, um, you know, why don't you, uh, just take our audience back to uh, how you started, you know, maybe not, not, uh, in, on the banking side, but on specialty retail and on the health club side and, you know, how you've seen basically everything there is to see and the scale and the scope. And, uh, you know, why you can go in there and be like the expert, uh, you know, diagnosis provider for what people need to do.
1: Well, after that build up, let's see if I can uh, <laughs> I can do it justice. But uh, so I spent 25 years, I'll admit to 25 years. I don't like to admit to more than that, but 25 years on the, on the specialty retail side and, and had the good fortune to work basically for entrepreneurs that had smaller businesses. And when they were looking to scale, um, brought on folks like myself. Um, we built uh, a few national brands that uh, would be iconic brands that people would know today, uh, such as the Vitamin Shop and J. Sure. Um and predominantly uh, my focus was operations and IT. So retail operations, supply chain operations, I even ran a warehouse, and then was CIO for multiple businesses. All of that culminated in two common themes. Theme number one is that as they were growing, they were looking for growth equity. So PE, um, we went through four PE acquisitions, mm. and I realized at the time that the PE guys were brilliant financial folks, but not a lot of operations or IT experience. Sure.
0: And they they want the data, and they want it curated in a certain way, and the industry's like, yeah, that data exists, but I'm not really sure how to get it for you. And the
1: tools back then, it was a lot harder to to do what we easily do today, even at our desktops. Yeah. So um, about 12 years ago, um, I had a momentous birthday approaching, and we were going through yet another uh, sale uh-huh. and some management changes and let's just say that the new management team and I if I said white they said black or yep. vice versa gotcha. happens. So I, it happens so I decided what do I want to do when I grow up mm-hmm. and uh, PE actually entered the space and I said I think there's a place for somebody like me in an advisory capacity or whatever uh-huh. that meant in the PE space so I joined a PE firm as a full time operating advisor 12 years ago Since that time, I now um, advise to a couple other boutique firms uh, and then hung my own shingle um, in addition. So I consult on both the retail space and 12 years ago, as you mentioned, um, got introduced to the fitness space through one of those buy side due diligence acquisitions. Right. Um, Went to school as fast as I could from a lot of very smart people. And so in addition to consulting to specialty retail, where the focus is on customer, Um, I also consult to the fitness space where the emphasis is on member and tell me really what's the difference between the two because we are all customers in addition to being members of our health clubs. So that's
0: what I do. That's awesome. So let's um, educate people here if they do not know this. Um, So when you went to work at North Castle, which was one, uh, you know, at the time one of the larger private equity firms that were interested in what we now call the halo sector. Right. And, um, you know, did the Equinox deal – there were a couple other, you know, uh, Avalon Organics. There were uh, Performance Bicycles, right? Sure sure. So, um, you know, what's interesting that's evolved over the last, you know, 15 years in private equity is that they say, look, I'm not just a provider of capital. You're not really renting my capital. I'm actually supposed to be a value-added uh, partner to you. And I can do that on the financial engineering side. But why not also have the operational and and other support services that I could provide through the operating executive type of, uh, you know, operating partner you know, platform. So, you know, for the entrepreneurs that are out there that are talking to private equity, and you you meet a private equity firm, you know, some of the things you should ask about is okay. Do you have operational support? Do I have IT support? Do I have HR support? And the guys at NEP right now, who are investors in the Edge and Movadi, they've got allocations of people inside of their private equity firm to basically support those two assets. And and you were kind of like probably one of the guinea pigs or like pioneers of like, Hey, let's bring this guy in house so he can really like provide services. And and it'll increase the probability of ours, our investment being successful, but also like provide a couple additional lifelines, if you will, to an entrepreneur. So maybe talk about like what role you played there, how vital it was, um, how your lens of like being in specialty retail was like helpful because the health club industry is probably, you know, of what that was at the time, maybe more now. So, um, you know, tell us what you did and why now it's almost like customary that like private equity firms should do that.
1: Well, you hit the nail on the head. Um, But but going back and specifically addressing some of those points is that, um, first of all, having the experience was helpful to the PE fund in doing the due diligence and putting together their various models, because Mm -hmm. I would go in instead of plugging a number for, well, the IT systems can't give us things, so we probably have to put some money aside for that. Uh, I would go in on the diligence, look at not only the IT, but their operations. If they were on the service side, we'd look at how they delivered service. If they were a product-based business, like an equipment manufacturer, we'd do the diligence around the supply chain. But Mm -hmm. the net of it was that I would provide to the deal team very specific uh, conser- uh, evaluations around strengths, weaknesses, or areas of opportunity, and give them more clarity as to how they could factor in what they had to potentially propose in terms of money into the deal for either streamlining, improving, acquiring, et cetera.
0: So I'm going to ask you a question. Uh- this will be like a, a deep question related to like how you how you personally operate because you're a very affable guy and you're very knowledgeable. Um, but now you're working for a private equity fund. I'll just lay out this case study for our crew here. You, you're working for the private equity firm. You're on the buy side due diligence, okay? Your job of that is to basically uncover any risks, any breakage, any scalability issues, any personnel issues. So you're in there like... You're the buy side forensic due diligence guy. And then if they buy the company, now you're like, hey, you know, I I gave you the exam and now I'm like here to help you. And I'm going to I'm going to tell you some things that you might not like to hear. (laughs) So how how did you kind of manage through that besides like your personality, which is like it's hard to probably get mad at you, I would say. I don't think many people get angry with you.
1: Okay, we'll leave my family and wife out of this? Yeah, of course, as always. <laughs> of course
0: it's not immediate family. I mean, um, everyone will go berserk. Well,
1: well the, the interesting thing is that um, at, at the end of the day, it's about being honest, open, transparent. Right. Um, I believe in those words. I live by them. At least I try to live by them. So the idea is clearly you have to be honest in terms of what your findings were and that the, what the right. PE firm wants to know because at the end of the day, they don't want to overpay, they don't want any surprises, and sure. they want to make sure that, you know, that the operate what they believe they were buying is what they're getting. Yeah. But what I would also be doing at the same time is trying to establish that relationship with the potential acquiree. Right. Um not only the CEO, but for the next team down, for sure. me it was the operators, the VPs or the directors or whatever, so that start to build trust. First of all, because you want them to agree to buy uh, or to be acquired. And then secondly, not to surprise them and say, hey, look, let's talk about what some of the things that I'm finding right? and kind of think about how we might, after the deal is closed, move forward on this collectively. And that I can either be a second set of eyes, I can be an advisor, I can become your project manager, right. I can work side by side, because at the end of the day, your success
0: becomes our success and we're all in the, in, in the same rowboat, if you yeah. will. I mean, it's interesting that you know, I'm, I'm working mostly on, like, helping people get a deal done and working on the contract and and, and some of the legalese. And, and there's a clause in a lot of contracts that basically says, if you're the buyer and I am the seller and you find something out about me during that process, you have to tell me what you found. So it's called, like, an anti-sandbagging clause, which basically says, like— if, if you buy my company for 100 million and you say, oh, you have to put 10 million, I'm only giving you 90, and 10 million goes in this escrow account, like you can't say, aha, like the day afterwards, like I'm taking that 10 back from something you found. So it's like, you know, it's like a protection that, like, whatever you learn about me, like, you have to tell me so I can address it or I can decide whether I want to transact because now basically the deal's probably at 90 from what you found. And instead of you saying the next day, hey, I'm going after the escrow you know, you're going to tell me beforehand. So when you're talking about like the transparency and the openness of like going through a process where you say to somebody who maybe, you know, is the architect of their own software and they're architect of their own company. So they already have seller's remorse even before they even sold the thing, right? Now you're basically at a point where you're saying like, Okay before we close, like let me just tell you like here's all the deficiencies of what I found in your business. but by the way, tomorrow, like we're gonna be partners, you know, so like you got of gotta like do it's, like an end around fun. on like the the conversation of like truth
1: there's no question it's 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 a balancing, it's walking a fine line yeah um, I think it's probably
0: in the delivery in the content right it's well, not, not I a, think it is in the delivery important.
1: it's also about you know being open and honest to the point where you know the I, when I wear the p e hat and on the buyer's side that are properly representing what I think or what I found and what's going to need to be done right but to do it in such a way that there are no surprises um, on the other side because many of the companies need especially smaller operators to give them the infrastructure to scale which is what the models call for and what everybody wants sure sure it 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 requires the teamwork yep. and so I need them to feel good that as a value added partner and a mm-hmm. value added service that it's gonna be about doing what's right for, for them and helping them achieve their goals for scale and in the areas of operations or supply chain if it's a manufacturer or on the IT side which obviously I do a lot of, right. it's, it's about recognizing that there are things that can always be done better um, or allowing them to finally do the things they wanted to do, but maybe felt it wasn't a priority, or they just didn't have the capital.
0: Right. Sure. Sure. So let's talk about Crest Circle, which is your uh, consulting firm now. It's independent. Um, work with all different private equity firms, all, for, all different companies. Um, you know, Where did the name come from would be a first uh, appropriate question. Okay.
1: You'll notice it's not named after me. Um,
0: so, purposely, I hope. Because you have to be on every conference call. <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> purposely, and it was very simple. I had about 24 to 48 hours to um, go from being an inside person to becoming a 1099 individual. Okay. And one of the firms that I had worked with in, in consulting on the retail side and even on the fitness side was a firm out of Chicago called West Monroe Partners. And it wasn't hard to figure out what they got their name from. Right. And I said, you know, I happened to live on Crest Circle, and I said, I don't want to have to go through a search and have the, the, the guys in, in Newark, in Essex County, tell me how long it's going to take to get a name. I looked around. I knew all my neighbors. I knew none of them were in the consulting space, and Crest Circle Management <laughs> Consultants there was, you bo- go. was
0: born. Don't leave home. Don't yeah. leave home. I stay in the, the circle. There was a guy, uh, was a comedian, Stephen Wright, he used to say, uh, I live in a circular driveway and I can't get out. So we had a circle <laughs> driveway back in the day. Um, Good so call. yeah. So talk about um, before we close here, you know, what, what's a typical consulting project. Obviously they're all different, but what's like kind of like your sweet spot and you know, what's the length of time it would take. Even if somebody just says like, Hey, look, my business is growing fast. I kind of think I've got like a little bit of like a, I'm holding a little bit onto the, to the collar, but like this thing might get, get, get away from me if I don't, if I don't address certain things. So, What's the like the, the the entry point with you, and not just a private equity firm that's doing a big deal, but like small small medium sized businesses say, hey, look, you know, I want uh, I want Crest Circle here, you know, to uh, to just help me.
1: Okay, um, the easiest thing, uh, the best way to categorize it would be in in three. Working with uh, the senior management team is usually the place to start. They have a business model, and they're trying to figure out um, how to, will that business model scale with the infrastructure that they have, usually around applications. Leave out all the technical gobbledygook. That is something that we also do that I also will look at and wear that hat so I can speak business to the, to the entrepreneur and talk tech to, to the tech right. people if necessary. Um, but it's usually road mapping their business model and what they want to do and understanding where their pain points are. What can't they do today right. that they feel they can or should be able to do? So that's usually one. Secondly, it can, it's uh, a standard project is around, and often a standard project is around, software selection. Who are the players? Mm-hmm. How do I knit them all together? Will they all play nicely in the sandbox? And here in the, in the fitness arena, you have club operators and club software management tools and, and CRM tools and a lot of the um, wearables today, and how do I get a wearable, and what about mobile tools, and all these things that we see people doing or that we just experience in our, in our normal live as being customers. But the third area and a lot of what we're doing today is around data management. Um, the industry, both sides, both on the retail, but even, but more specifically here on the, the fitness side, um, is a data rich business, but it's an information poor industry. And so many smaller the mid-size operators, the clients that I have, because the bigger ones, mm-hmm. as I said, either have their own IT shops where they go to larger consulting firms. But as a boutique firm, we work with entrepreneurs or mid-sized and are challenged by, how do I get actionable information out of this massive amount of data? Sure. And I tell them that the three most important assets that they have, only two of them show up on their balance sheet. One is the physical component, their hardware and their, you know their equipment, or their PPE in terms of the facilities that they run. Sure. their human capital is the second one but there is no categorization for the third most valuable asset that they own and that's their data is it their data first of all or is it their members and then second if they're the fiduciary responsible person for mm-hmm. that data How do I turn it into something that's customizable and actionable information? The industry is just starting to come to it now.
0: And how how do
1: I do it as a small proprietor without having to break the bank or having to hire a, uh, a load of people who are, I don't understand what they do. And it's going to cost me a lot of money. There are ways to... Crawl, walk, run into the data mm. management, and that's what we try to focus on. Also, I do a lot of that. So, those three areas: working with entrepreneurs around their business strategy and what will be the corresponding needs for technology, and especially in today's mobilized, personal, personalized world. The second is around software selection and integration, and the third is around data.
0: Gotcha. So, uh, in closing, why don't you give us one of your uh, Either one of your favorite quotes or like, you know, if there's a Morrisism, you know, that that you that that you say a lot, you know, or what's something that, you know, either motivates you, makes you chuckle, or like is like a like words of wisdom to uh to, to any of your clients, entrepreneurs, friends, family.
1: Well, I I think um I'm trying to figure out exactly which one I would I would use. I was having a conversation earlier today with uh blair mckaney and we were going over mm-hmm. exactly this this point and i said I, I think at the end of the day it's about that the informa uh, the industry there is a plethora of data and a dearth of information and mm-hmm. how do we how do we turn that around so it's the other
0: way around gotcha so round the back way around you've got at least ten thousand hours in the industry so you're a bona fide expert where I've passed it, my, surpassed it in my sector and in your focus as well. So if you need some help, get in touch with uh, Mike Morris, who's a legend in this industry. He's helped bring in capital by getting people comfortable that the data's there, these business models are alive and well, and we just gotta make sure we get the right people with the right capital, with the right advice, and we got big businesses. So welcome uh, back uh, to the show and uh, look forward to tracking your progress and working together. Thanks again. Awesome.